Thanks for joining us again um, for episode three of VA Fried Green Tomatoes. Today we are discussing the vegetative stage of the cannabis plant. Check out episode one for all the equipment that you'll need and episode two in regards to the seedling stage. Once again, this is Lauren and I have with me my friend David. Hello, everyone. Nice to talk to you again. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking about the vegetative state of a plant. Um, We've talked about this a little bit in the previous episode, so if you haven't listened to those, I highly suggest you go check them out. It's got a lot of really good information on there. Um, but essentially, after after the plant grows its first set of actual true leaves, that's when you know that it has transitioned from being a seedling into the vegetative stage. So in this stage, the plant's only going to grow stems and leaves there aren't going to be any flowers or bud sites per se Um, the roots are also starting to expand out into whatever container that they're uh, that the plant is in and that's going to be dictated obviously by the size of the container as to how intricate your root system is going to be okay and how long does the vegetative stage last in the in a cannabis plant so the really interesting thing about a cannabis plant is that uh, the plant is going to grow in height as well as in size completely dependent on the medium that you put it in meaning the bigger the pot is that you're putting the plant in the bigger it's going to grow if you put it in the ground outside there's really no upward limit to the size the plant's going to get it's just going to continue to get bigger and bigger until the weather changes and then the vegetative stage ends so you could literally grow a tree if your um, pot is big enough okay what is the um, time period for the vegetative stage so most commonly if you're not growing outdoors and you're an indoor farmer it's going to be around four to eight weeks so Four weeks is pretty much going to be the bare minimum time that the plant's going to need to veg in which you can then switch it over and it's actually going to have enough bud sites for it to be effective for you. Uh, Obviously, the more time that you let the plant veg, the higher your yield is going to be and the larger the plant's going to be by the end of the run. And that makes sense. So what is the primary objective? So the primary objective of the vegetation stage is basically just give the plant an opportunity to bulk up so you're trying to create as many bud sites as you can and train the plant to be the shape that you want it to be okay and how does the cannabis plant change stages so as in our previous episodes as we've discussed there are two different kinds of cannabis plants one is a photo period plant and the other one is an auto flower so a photo period plant is going to respond to the changes of the duration of the site the cycles of light that you put it through meaning once a plant has more than 12 hours of darkness a day it is going to switch over from being a vegetative plant to being a flowering plant because it believes that if it's darker more than it is light it is then fall and it is entering the end of its life cycle so it's going to start producing buds okay Uh, Autoflowers, on the other hand, are just going to reach some arbitrary milestone 
internally and they're just going to automatically start flowering that's why they're called auto flowers so you can literally give an auto flower 24 hours of sunlight a day and it's still going to flip over to start flowering whenever it feels like it's ready okay and what is the optimal environment so in this stage uh, it's more important that you have higher temperatures and lower humidity you also want to make sure that there's a good air supply to your plants. The air supply has many, many benefits. We've talked about that in previous episodes, if you want to check that out as well. Again, you want it to be anywhere from the minimal amount of light that you want in the vegetative state, which is probably around 16 hours. Again, you can go a full 24 hours if you want. Um, that's up for debate some people believe that the root systems grow more in darkness so it is important to at least give them a little bit of time in the dark and then other people disagree with that so uh, i personally go with the 16 hour schedule uh, and i don't seem to have any problems at all obviously if your plants are outside they're just going to get the natural amount of light you know depending on where you live mm -hmm. The, the one key thing is that if you are going to do it outside, you need to make sure that you're doing it at the right time. So you need to gauge when you plant the seed. If you plant the seed at the beginning of winter, obviously it's not going to have time to grow and you're not going to get any yield out of it. Alternatively, when you're using closets and grow tents, obviously you control the light um, and the light schedule. So just make sure that it is over 12 hours and it will continue to veg and grow bigger. Okay, so what are some of the different lighting options that we could use at this stage? So there's really three main options. There's going to be sunlight, LEDs, and HPSs. So sunlight, obviously, um, it's natural. The cycle is going to be taken care of for you. Um, there are some other risks associated with growing outside, namely pests and animals could possibly eat your crop, but that's going to be the risk you take. Um, LEDs are gonna be by and large the, the biggest uh, market share in this space. So they've replaced uh, HPS and sunlight for the most part industry-wide. They're inexpensive. Um, they don't have a lot of, um, comparatively anyway, they don't produce a lot of heat as to the other two methods. And uh, they're very cost-effective when compared to uh, HPS lights. Okay, well, what is an HPS light? So HPS stands for high pressure sodium lights. Um, they are incredibly effective grow lights. They've been used for years and years. Um, however, they do burn much hotter than LEDs, which can cause temperature fluctuations or just general temperature management problems in tents and other confined spaces like closets. Um, typically, you want to keep your plant between 70 and 85 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, for anyone not on that system, that's 21 to 30 degrees Celsius. Um, but you should never go above 90 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, 32 degrees Celsius, or below 60 degrees Fahrenheit, 15 degrees Celsius. That's kind of the range you want to stay in throughout the vegetative phase of the plant. Okay. They need... Um, so. Seedlings need very, very high humidity to stay alive. Uh, vegetating plants don't really need that. 
they've kind of established their root system and they're safe in lower humidity environments at this point. Mm -hmm. And what is the best way that the plant can get the food it needs at this stage? So vegetating plants need uh, micronutrients for their basic building blocks of life. This means uh, heavy nitrogen content uh, is essential, whereas um, on the other hand, phosphorus is less so. And once you move out of the vegetation stage and into the flower stage, those two roles of those nutrients are going to reverse, meaning you're going to need much more phosphorus and much less nitrogen. Uh, vegetating plants also need a variety of micronutrients like iron, calcium, zinc, etc. Um, and too many micronutrients will block out your macronutrients and then you'll start seeing deficiencies. So you need to make sure that you're adding them, but not in um, not in excess or the plant's going to react to that. And mm -hmm. a, another thing to think about is that the pH of the soil that you're using determines what nutrients the plant can uptake. So um, all of that is to say that for the most part, a lot of um, a lot of companies provide a range of products that have these specific nutrients in the correct dosages. So there's potting soil um, should, you know, like a Fox farm potting soil will come out of the bag and already have all these nutrients in them. So you have um, a small window when you first start your plant that it's going to feed off of the nutrients in the soil. After that, you need to make a decision whether you're going to be using organic nutrients or synthetic nutrients. Um, and again, we, we've talked about that topic in depth. So if you want to learn more specifics on the two different kinds and which one fits best for your situation, I suggest watching the previous episodes. Okay, and when you were talking about the plants being outside earlier, you mentioned pests. What should we be doing for pest control at this point? So the key to pest control is being proactive and preventing the pests from taking hold to begin with. The problem with pests and mold and mildew is that um, they all have the same requirements for life that are all in the same ranges, meaning um, what's going to make your plant thrive is also going to make the pests and the mildews and the mold thrive. So it's inevitable that it's going to happen sooner or later. Pests are going to find your plant, but it's how you have um, established your environment and maintained your environment. That's going to determine whether it's a severe infestation or a lighter one. Um, some key takeaways would be make sure that the area is clean. Don't leave um, trash around especially by trash, I mean, you know, plant material. So leaves that have, um, you know, had deficiencies and fallen off the plant, leaving dying plant material around the plant is only going to attract more pests. So you need to make sure that you keep it really tight uh, and clean. Um, another thing is standing water. If you have standing water just hanging around your grow space, this is gonna invite insects because they're going to have a fresh water source and a fresh food source and they're going to need every they're going to have everything they need to survive just in that one small area and then they will uh thrive mm -hmm. so there's also um natural and synthetic pesticides that you can use on the plant um 
we'll get into this in just a second, but just know there's a lot of options that you can um, purchase from various resources to take care of specific pests and to also be proactive with pest management. Another thing that you don't want to do is you don't want to spray your plants um, with water right before you turn the lights out. A lot of growers will use like a little uh, hairspray bottle to just kind of gently mist their plants to keep the stems and the plants moist, right? Um, if you do that right before you turn out your lights, you are significantly increasing your chance of having a mold problem uh, crop up on your plants. And nobody wants that. Definitely not. And another key to growing in general is going to be controlling your environment, controlling your temperature, controlling your humidity, and making sure that they stay uniform. Big fluctuations in these can attract pests as well. So quickly backtracking on the whole uh, pesticides issue. There, there's a, a product called neem oil that's used pretty widely to proactively um, prepare your plants to not be an ideal environment for pests. So in order to use neem oil, you're going to spray the entire plant with neem oil. You're going to give it a few minutes to set, and then you're gonna spray the plant again with water. Um, and then you can do this about once a week, just proactively to make sure that these, um, that these pests aren't gonna take hold in your environment. Mm -hmm. Just always remember that if you do it, you have to clean the plant. You don't want the neem oil just staying on your plant, especially when you're moving into flower. You wanna make sure that the plant is as natural as possible in that stage, because again, this is something that you're gonna be smoking and ingesting in one way or another. And then the last bit of advice that I would have is that um, if you do find that you're, you develop a pest problem, do a lot of research online and aggressively and quickly treat the plants because pests can grow out of control very, very quickly. And when they do, it's highly likely that your plants will either have such an impact to the yield that it will no longer be worth growing or they will just outright kill the plant. Mm. Okay. So the good news is that when a plant is in vegetation, um, it will heal much, much quicker and it will bounce back much quicker than a plant that's in flowering or a seedling that will just you know, succumb because it's so small and so weak. So it's, it's always good to make sure you're going to do whatever you're going to do to manage a pest situation before you switch over into flower. Trying to manage um, pests while in flower can have serious, serious impacts on yield or, like I said, potentially even kill the, the plants. Right. Okay. Um, and what about transplanting at this stage? So transplanting is you're going to understand transplanting more as you go. So the key is to always make sure that you're having the right size container for your plant. Um, transplanting a small plant into a big pot is going to cause problems because you're going to have difficulties getting the correct mixture of water and air for the roots. Obviously, when you water a pot, you're going to have to water the entire pot so uh, that you get an even level of moisture. The problem with that is that the roots are not extending through the pot evenly, meaning that 
it's not going to dry out evenly. So you may think that your, your plant is dry when in fact it's just that portion of the soil that's dry and the plant actually has plenty of water and then you end up overwatering and, you know, adversely affecting your plant due to that. Right. So it's, it's key to start the plants in an appropriate size container. Like, you know, um, obviously it depends on the origin of the plant. If it's a seed or just a small seedling, then solo cups are going to do. Um, if it's a cutting that's a little bit larger, you could go for a small pot. But generally, after about a month and a half to two months, I'm going to transfer it out of a solo cup into uh, something a little bit larger, like a small pot that you can get from a, a local gardening store. And then I'll wait a few months. And once I feel that the roots are um, completely entwined in the medium, then I'll move it up to something bigger. Because that's the end goal is that not only is it harder to maintain moisture, but you also want to keep your roots healthy. And in order to keep your roots healthy, they need room to grow. So you don't want to not transplant into something bigger because then you will get, um, you know, root rot, things like that will happen to your plant if you, if you don't, you know, get in front of that problem. Right. Okay, I've heard growers um, talk about training and pruning um, in the vegetative state. Can you tell me more about what that is and how to do so? Yeah, absolutely. So a vegetating cannabis plant is going to grow very, very rapidly. You can literally, um, you know, watch it grow throughout the day. That's how quickly it's moving. And your your primary objective in the vegetative state is is to shape the plant the way that you want it to be shaped. The way that you want your plant shaped is going to be determined by what type of a grow space you have it in. Um, there's a variety of techniques that you can use to manipulate a, a plant and change its shape. Okay. And why do I want to train and prune? So you want to train your plant in general because in the wild, a cannabis plant is going to look like a Christmas tree. Um, it's going to be cone-shaped. You know, and some strains have been known to grow 20 feet tall in just a couple months. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, that's not what you want if you're growing indoors because a cone shape works well for sunlight, for a, a light source that is very strong and very far away. Mm -hmm. If you're growing indoors, the cone shape is not ideal because the only, the only stem that's really going to get adequate sunlight is going to be the very stem, the stem at the very top and the rest of the plant isn't going to be getting the energy that it needs to photosynthesize and grow the buds. So um, that's why we deploy training techniques. And there's uh, a, a few different ones that we can talk about. So there's low stress and then there's high stress training. Low stress essentially means that um, you're, you're going you're gonna to gently but persistently manipulate the the growth cycle of the plant by bending leaves and creating an even canopy. Um, low stress training means you're not going to be cutting into the plant at all. You're not going to be breaking anything. You're not going to be causing any damage 
uh, that would stress the plan out. And again, the reason that you want to do low stress tra training is to create an even canopy so that you can optimize the production once it's in uh, a flowering state. And again, mm -hmm. you want to do this by making sure it's completely level. That way, every single branch is receiving uh, a similar amount of sunlight and will grow um, evenly with the rest of the plant. If you don't do that, generally, and when you grow it naturally, you're, you're going to have very, very big buds at the top of the plant and then very, very small buds at the bottom of the plant. Right. Okay, that sounds good. Can you give me some examples of low-stress training? Yeah, so what a lot of gardeners will do is they will go to their local hardware store, their gardening store, and they will get gardening wire. And what you do is you take the gardening wire or string or whatever you want to use, you take the tallest branches, and then you very slowly and very gently bend them Little by little, you don't want to hear a snap. Um, you, you just want to slowly, slowly bend it very, very gently and then tie it down with one of those, you know, either a piece of string or twine or, or whatever you're going to use and tie it down to where it is level with the height of your lowest branch. And then you're going to take the second highest branch and you're going to very gently, very slowly bend that one and repeat the process until there is one even canopy, one even layer of bud sites. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks for the information about the low stress training. Uh, what about high stress training? Okay. So high stress training is exactly the opposite. Again, remember low stress means you're not breaking anything. You're not damaging anything. You're stressing the plant out just by uh, limiting its ability to grow upwards toward the light like it wants to. But that really doesn't adversely affect the plant at all. Whereas high stress training means that you're going to be doing something significantly traumatic to the plant to get a reaction. For example, if you have a bud site, um, you're going to notice a bud site by what looks like a, a little, you know, a little bud of growing leaves coming out. And then those leaves are going to spread out. And then the center of those leaves is going to be another bud site where new stems are forming. If you take that and you cut it off of the plant or you break it off of the plant, that's called topping. And what happens is when you do that, when you when you take that little node and you break it off of the top of the plant, it's going to grow two nodes in place of that one node that you just ripped off. So you do that once and where there was one bud site, now there's two and you let that grow a little bit and then you top both of those and those two also double again. So what was one bud site by topping twice is now four. Mm -hmm. So when you do this all over the entire surface of the plant, you're doubling or quadrupling your yield in the long term. But high stressing, uh, doing high stress training on a plant is going to affect its growth significantly for the short term. So the moment that you break that top off or cut it off or whatever you're going to do, mm -hmm. the plant immediately reacts um, by sealing off the wound. And then it'll start to bubble up at the base of that node. And then out of that will sprout 
two ends. But in the time that it's taking to remake the progress of the top that you destroyed, it's not going to be growing vertically anymore. It's going to be focusing all of its growth hormones on those tiny two little nodes. And then if you do that again a week later, it's going to stunt the growth even more. So you need to take that into account as to when you're going to top um, mm -hmm. and how often you're going to top. And again, you also have to take into account what's your growing space look like? Do you want to have this many bud sites? Because depending on how you treat the plant when it's flowering, you may not necessarily need as many bud sites as you would think that you need. The less bud sites that it has, the larger the buds are going to be because it's still going to, it, it only has X amount of hormones to push across the entire surface of the plant. Right. Right. So the more sites that it has, the less hormones there are to go around to grow those buds. Yeah, that makes sense. Now I'm not saying that you only want one bud site and one giant bud, right? That's not what I'm saying. You want, you want that happy medium. Obviously, the more bud sites there are, the longer it's going to have to flower. Um, it's going to push your schedule back. So you need to know the effects short term and long term that you're going to have on the plant by doing this type of um, high stress training. So there's also another type of high stress training called super cropping. So super cropping is very, very similar like I said, you, you rip off that node, right? But when you're doing super cropping, you don't rip off the entire node. You rip off everything except for the base of the node. And what that will do is that instead of it being one bud site, that one bud site will then grow into four. So it's pretty much double the effect of topping. It's more difficult to do, and you're probably going to need to do some research on how to do it before you do it. Mm -hmm. But when you super crop, you can significantly increase the number of bud sites in one specific area of the plant. Okay. And again, all of this is the reason for doing all of this is a concept called um, apical dominance, which is where the central stem of the plant is dominant over every other stem. It's going to grow more. It's going to grow larger, it's going to grow faster, and it's going to give you bigger yields. If you can break that mentality inside of the plant, it will treat all of the branches evenly and then evenly distribute that growth hormone where you get a consistent bud size across your entire yield. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I think we're pretty good on the topic of training. Um, and what we need to discuss next, I guess, is pruning and um, what we do in regards to that. Okay. So again, your goal with your training is going to be to create an even canopy. Um, we want an even canopy because if um, each site, each bud site on the plant needs an adequate amount of sunlight to grow good sized buds. Mm -hmm. um, once you have an even canopy, anything that is not a part of that canopy is no longer going to be getting direct sunlight, meaning that it's not going to produce meaningful buds that will do anything for you in the long run. Not to mention, the more of these sites that are below the canopy, 
that are not getting light, they're not only not developing long-term into buds that are really going to give you any significant weight, they're also drawing those growth hormones from the bud sites that are that have adequate light and will stunt the growth of all the other bud sites. So what this means is that once you've done your training and you know this is going to be your established canopy, you need to constantly be maintaining everything below that and making sure that it's cleared out on a regular basis. I usually do this around once a week. And then mm-hmm. right before I, I switch into flower, I will do a pretty significant defoliation, get rid of all the extra leaves and bud sites and make sure it's looking um correct of how I envisioned it when I did my uh, low stress training. And this is something that isn't going to end. As soon as you have that established canopy for the rest of the plant's life, you're going to have to maintain it. Even through flower, it's going to constantly try to create buds lower. But the more that you clip uh, those lower stems and branches and bud sites, the more growth hormone it is just going to shove up into your canopy and give you a much better yield. Okay, that makes sense. So how do we know uh, when the vegetative state is over and we need to move on to flowering? What are some um, some key things to look at or to be aware of? So I think the biggest thing to be aware of in that situation is that however big your plant is, as soon as you switch it over to flower, just assume that it's going to double in size. So know that Um, know the maximum distance that you can raise your light and know how big the plant should get once you flip it over to flower. Obviously, it's going to be a problem if the plant's height exceeds the height of the grow tent or the closet or whatever whatever your grow space looks like, right? So that's definitely Mm -hmm. something to take into account. Another thing you're going to want to look at is the overall health of the plant. If you want a healthy flowering stage, you need to make sure that you are having a healthy vegetative stage. Um, And that's going to come with experience and understanding your particular method of feeding your plant and and understanding the deficiencies of of a cannabis plant and what it looks like and what it means when you see plants doing certain things. But you want to make sure that it is in an acceptable size, that it is in good health, And you also want to make sure that you have identified the sex of the plant. If you switch a uh, vegetating plant over to flowering and you think it's a female, but it is a male, it is going to pollinate all the plants and your buds are going to have a lot of seeds in them. And generally, it's going to be more difficult to smoke. It's going to take more time, so on and so forth. So just make sure that you are 100% certain the sex of your plant before you decide to switch everything over into flowering. Okay. And what are um, some ways we can tell the sex of the plant? So a female is going to, at the base of the stalk where the fan leaves are coming out of the main stalk, as well as on the bud sites, you're going to start seeing these little white hairs that are called pistils. Each bud site will have two, um, and then at the base of the stem and the stalk, going down the main stalk, you'll see little hairs coming out of there as well. That's how you know it's female. Uh, Males are going, instead of having those little hairs, they're going to have 
um, little sacks. They look almost like little peas. Um, that's about the size and the color for you to look at. So late in a vegetative stage, the cannabis plant is going to start showing its sex, indicating that it is in fact ready to switch over um, at any point from there on down the road. So you want to make sure that you know what you have so that you don't ruin your yield. That makes sense. All right. Well, that sounds good. Um, I think we've learned a lot today about the vegetative state. And if anybody has any questions, please reach out to us uh, via email at vafriedgreentomatoes at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and ask us any questions there. Um, I believe in the next episode, we're going to be talking about the flowering stage of the plant. Um, so if you have any questions in regards to that and you or any topics you want us to cover, just reach out and let us know. Um, we appreciate you joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you guys the next time. Have a good one, everybody. Thanks.